0: Hello everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are
1: you? Doing well, Sean. It's uh, good to be on here, and as today is is the day that we've counted down for a little while, at least for UK football fans. This is probably a day you guys have been waiting on. Uh, It was media day, one of the most busy, most exciting I guess I would say uh days of the year because you go from you know we had we had SEC media days a couple weeks ago you get some stuff out of that it goes quiet again and then today it's like an overflow of information that you get but uh tomorrow's fan day I think that'll be another good episode for us probably a little bit more detailed than what this episode is gonna be, but I'm happy to have some some more things to talk about today, some some fresh topics.
0: Yeah, we're we're just talking talk today. There's nothing that we've actually got to see. Yeah. So we're just talking about all the talk, we're not getting to talk about uh, balls being thrown and everything, and that's something we'll get into. Even Liam Cohen talked about that. He has not got to see Will Levis throw the football in person, it's been all on tape and things, Derek. So today, when I left, I know you left a little bit before I did, I think I stayed an extra 30 minutes they had started their practice. And it was a good feeling walking out, hearing that music playing, hearing guys chirping, and, and just kind of getting back to something that's exciting again.
1: Yeah, no doubt. They had it all fenced up and everything when I walked by, but they uh, they weren't quite out there yet. That was a quick turnaround for sure. Uh, I guess some of the highlights, Sean, and we'll start with uh, Stoops' time. I actually thought his – interview session it's not unexpected at this point i mean we just heard from stoops and hoover we just heard if those of us who were at the luncheon a few days ago we heard from them there there's really just not a whole lot of fresh topics that stoops could have talked about today his press conference i felt like was much more kind of big picture items versus maybe some more narrowed approaches to brad white and liam cohen um anything in particular stick out to you about stoops time
0: not really honestly then other than you know preaching patience with the quarterback position and stuff, and that they want to get it right, and not rush it. Uh, talked about being year nine. It, it's hard to believe that it's year nine. And, and you and I walked into the into the field with him through the gate, and you you actually made a joke about it. You know, here you're, you're nine for you, and he even said, "What, looking forward to another nine years?" Does he get to yeah. another nine years? I don't know, but it's hard to believe that it's actually year nine for him. I think that stood out to me. I thought that he had a lot. I thought he had a confidence about him too when he spoke. I think they had a lot of high praise. Obviously, we'll go across the board with JJ Weaver's praise. Everybody praised him, which oh, yeah. is, it's setting up to be a big year for him if he can get healthy. I took that away too because he mentioned as he doesn't want to rush that decision with quarterbacks, he doesn't want to rush JJ Weaver coming back either with that being a ligament.
1: Weaver was that was one thing that Brad White talked about. I mean, I thought. Out of everything that was discussed uh, today, I almost felt like that was maybe the most profound thing that said, just to kind of – and if we have some audio of it or if you guys can go check it out, I'm sure it's up on YouTube somewhere or somewhere you can find these comments from Brad White. It's not so much what he said versus how he said it when talking about J.J. Weaver. I I mean – I felt like Brad was so sure of himself when he was talking about how much better J.J. Weaver was going to be when he came back, that he kind of couldn't help but believe it, right? I mean, that's kind of how I took well, it. And it's
0: almost like they were speaking like there's not an ACL tear. Like It's, it's like yeah. he's been out there for the last nine months just going crazy. It's scary to think how good he can be the way they talk. Another note from Stoops was him talking about the depth on the offensive line, and we know that they're, they've built depth now on this roster, Derek, over the course of nine years, but he mentioned – possibly being able to play 10 guys on the offensive line, which I don't ever remember them playing that many in a rotation.
1: I, I think they got close to that in 2016. Yeah. I think they were close to 10. I can't remember exactly how many it was that year. It was at least nine, though, I think. because I mean, they were they were playing a lot of guys. I mean, Lendon Young was still a freshman then, so I think they weren't playing him all the time. But, no, 10 deep would be uh, – It wouldn't stun me, honestly, just because they've recruited that position pretty well. And I think they've got some young guys that they think might be ready. Um, I didn't stand next to him myself. It might have been Freddie Magger. I I don't know if anyone official at UK said this, but I had heard or read somewhere that Jagger Burton might be up to 300 pounds already. He's big. And I think he was, like, listed around, like, 260 on his recruiting profile when he's at Frederick Douglass. So, if he's really up to being that high, if you're telling me that that kid weighs 300 pounds already, I uh, I would I would much more so believe that he might play this year more than just the red shirt limitation games. Uh, he'll still have to beat out some guys, but I do feel like he is so probably advanced that he could handle that. And I they've played true freshmen in the past. I mean, you've seen him play uh, Landon Young. Whenever I mean, he was he was somewhat out of necessity. He was definitely out of necessity when he had to play his first game. But I think he was trending towards playing that uh, most of that season anyway. Uh, he'll have some work. Uh, Jagger, that is, we'll yeah. have some more competition versus what Linden had. I think just because you have uh Kenneth Horsey at left guard, he's your firm starter. Right guard's a little less sure because I mean, I think some of that might depend on what they do with their Rosenthal, um, whether they move Jeremy Flax to right guard, and even if they don't, you still have Eli Cox and Austin Dotson there who have played a lot. So, I mean, he's got a lot of bodies he's got to beat out in order to get there. Um, but ten deep would be, would be pretty impressive. Um's Program, program's go
0: ahead. in a better spot. You know that's why yeah. it's even a greater challenge for him to get on the floor or on the floor on the field as a freshman. <laughs> uh, so sorry, flipping back from the basketball Mel, well, back to this.
1: Well, speaking too of the offensive line, I mean Stoops. I can't remember who asked it, but he, he got asked a question that I would say, was was phrased in a way that basically assumed. Dare Rosenthal would be the right tackle, and it was asking, "Well, what happens to Jeremy Flax in the mm-hmm. situation?" And he basically shut that down. I was like, "No, like Dare's got to go out there, and he has to he has to earn it." Like they're, he says that they're happy, um, with what Flax showed them in spring, and they basically Dare has to come in there and, and earn it. And if he's one of the five best guys uh, at the end of fall camp, then he'll get in there. Now, I do think, like to me, that was a, I don't, I wouldn't call it a, a coach speak. Type thing because I mean, I, I believe him that when you say that Darryl Rosenthal has to do that, I guess I'm just of the opinion that Darryl Rosenthal, given the praise that Orgeron had for him, if he does everything he needs to do, to take care of business, it would stun me if he's not one of their five best yeah. offensive linemen. So I do think he'll get in there, but it, it's I don't blame Stoops for answering it the way he did, I guess, because it, it shows confidence in flex and also, um, sends the message to Rosenthal that nothing's going to be given to you, which I'm sure he knows.
0: I agree with that. He And, you know, too, with the transfers, you know, we've covered the guys in recruiting. We've covered the, the incoming players. But that was our first look at these guys that are transfers. Obviously, we covered Wondell Robinson when he was in high school. Derek, we were there with that recruitment all through it. But when you look at these guys, I was kind of excited to see just what do these guys look like in person. And there were two dudes that looked the part to me among the transfers will levis is absolutely jacked for a quarterback you made the comment to me when we're standing on the field and i don't know how
1: close you got to dare rosenthal that dude's a monster i actually didn't see rosenthal um so speaking on those quarterbacks the way they had to do it today obviously covid protocols are still in place um, I ended up in a situation where I got hung up with all those quarterbacks. and I didn't really plan on it being that way. So I, I missed out, unfortunately, on, on getting a lot of guys. I still got the ones that I kind of needed to. Um, but Levis, I mean, he looks like a tight end. He, he really does. I mean, if <laughs> you, if you just would have put him out there and you said, Hey, what position is this guy? He's. I mean, that kid's bigger than Isaiah Cummings who just moved the tight end. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> Gatewood, I mean Gatewood looks apart as well, but you know I, I think Gatewood, even from, and I don't know what what his intentions were. When when he committed to Kentucky, he kind of had the rep as this like six five two forty, kind of a bulldozer type quarterback. He, he's he's kind of skinny, honestly, for his side. I think he's lost a lot of weight. He's
0: leaned up a lot. Like he, he has.
1: I mean, to me, he doesn't look so much like the guy who you would think would run over people anymore, whereas I think that was kind of his rep when he committed to the U.K. And with Levis, you, you absolutely feel that way. He, um, he has a ahead.
0: wide receiver body to me when I look at him. He kind of does. Like, he yeah. looks like a, with his height and size and stuff. I'm like, man, he, I could see him splitting out wide and catching and <laughs> some balls. But, yeah, that was I actually thought the exact same thing. He was doing an interview there in the middle of the field today away from everyone else, and I was like, man, he is – but then again, do, have we talked? Have we seen him in person
1: up close? Because <laughs> we didn't get to really stand beside any of these guys last year. Right. Well, I think you could even tell he was kind of skinny, the last season. Like, skinnier, I guess, is what I'm trying to say than, than what I thought. Um, some other guys, in terms of the look test, uh, you know, they're freshman class. They're Actually, both kids from North Harden I thought looked pretty physically developed to be true freshmen. Um, yeah. Lavelle Wright at running back. I didn't get to talk to him, but I saw him. I don't know how much he'll play this year, but I do think he's probably outperformed. Well, I shouldn't say outperformed. I mean, he, was, he had a lot of offers, but uh, and he was great against Frederick Douglass, the one game I got to watch him play, which, again, it was high school, and there, I don't know how many D1 guys Frederick Douglass even had on that defense, maybe just one or two, but he looked he looked really good. And then uh, Jordan uh, Lovett also looked, uh, looked the part. Adrian Huey, pretty small. Um, I don't think they're really going to count on him this year anyway. Really, the only news in terms of that freshman class was – it's not really news just because it's been expected. But Devontae Ross, he's the only signee who still isn't there. He's still trying to take care of some academic work. Stoop said they're hoping that he can still make it. Um, regardless if he makes it this year or not, Sean, I think at this point it's August 6th. You're probably not counting on that kid to play this season, even if he gets here. So, I do think – I wouldn't say pressure. I do think – because they got a lot of bodies there. But I do think um, – Having that four-person high school signing class last year is a pretty it's a pretty big deal for them. So I'm wondering, depending on what happens with Ross, whether he makes it, what whether he goes Juco, or I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Probably shouldn't speculate it until we, until we figure out what does happen. But pretty good because it's been a while since they didn't have a kid make it academically. So they've done a pretty good job the last few years targeting guys who they knew they would get. And um, they've done that. Um but I, I did talk to a few of the freshman receivers. I wanted to give a shout out, I guess, or I, I talked to Chauncey Mag. Well, I talked to all of them, but Magwood and Sumrall were, or <laughs> that's what I'm getting to. Magwood and Lewis <laughs> were recruited by John Sumrall, and I asked them basically. You know, last year UK's passing game was was pretty bad. What because that coaching staff? I don't know if he was Cohen was even official until maybe what a a week before signing day something like that. So I basically asked like, why were you so confident and sticking with UK when you had these other offers and they all talked about Sumrall and their close relationship with him and how honest he was. Also, this is probably not groundbreaking. It's not going to cause your jaw to hit the floor, but like both of those guys mentioned that well before it came out that they were, that they were going to be moving off from grand. So I'm kind of wondering how early in that process, they told those recruits that they were going to be making a change and props to those kids for not really leaking it too much. Of course it was not, if you would have told someone in week seven last year that Eddie Graham wasn't going to be back, I think we all would have been like, yeah, like that, that probably makes some sense that he wouldn't be back because offense has been so bad. But uh, that's probably part of the reason they were able to hold on to those kids as well was, was because they were up front, told them what was going to happen. And I'll be curious to see, you know, if any of those guys can kind of crack the rotation this fall. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah
0: a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, and a couple more notes, too. So we've talked a lot about Stoops, but from Brad White, you mentioned J.J. Weaver. He had a lot of talk about Marquan McCall, too. Mm-hmm. And kind of a lot of what the defense does, Derek is kind of going to lay it on him, right, and how how good he can be this far in his career at Kentucky.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a huge piece to that defense. There's no doubt about it. Um, and McCall, to me, just from – I talked to Anwar Stewart, the defensive line coach over the summer, and and if you've covered – or followed college sports long enough, it's it's really not that big of a surprise. But you, you get the kind of guy who knows they're going to be a backup for a while. I'm not saying they don't work hard. They just kind of know there's someone else there taking the spot. And whenever that person leaves, it's like a light bulb goes off. And I think that's what's happened with marquan I think marquan uh, has worked really hard this offseason to put himself in a spot where he can kind of handle this workload. Um Physically, I mean, he he looks like he's carrying his weight really well. It's kind of been the thing with uh, Marquand since he got here was just his stamina, being able to play a lot of snaps. Um, if you're going to be running with the first team, they're going to need to count on him a lot. And of course, like like Brad White said today, I mean, you, can, you know, Marquand McCall is not going to play 70 snaps, so you're going to need some depth. But being able to be in there in the most important downs though and affect the game he's, he's going to have a lot. I mean, maybe as much as anybody on the team. I mean, Marquand's job on defense is – it's very, very, very important.
0: Yeah, for sure. Anything else stand out to you from the two coordinators? I, mean, I know Liam talked about his time at Maine and talking about having a senior there on the roster, and they started a redshirt freshman. We're right off the bat there in his final year. So, he, I know he was talking about the quarterback position and, and making that decision. Uh, anything else stand out to you? Any comments or anything?
1: Well, I don't know if it was grand, if it was Stoops. I really don't know. I felt like maybe – and, and there, were, there were more things that went into it maybe than just a surface-level thing. For better or worse, it felt like the previous staff was very loyal, almost to a fault in some ways. I mean, you could look at Terry – you know, they just kind of made the choice that they were going to go with Terry no matter what happened. And you could say it was right or wrong the way it worked out. You know, Stoops knew he was going to be making a change anyway, so maybe it wouldn't have made sense to have played Gatewood or Allen and then just didn't have to change their offense anyway. There, there's some logic to it that I understand to some extent. But I, the stuff like A.J. Rose continuing to start over Chris Rodriguez, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I think Cohen might have more of a mindset, like he's going to play. Like if he truly thinks someone can help them, I think he's going to, want to play them and that kind of goes back to what you're talking about the story where they did have an experienced guy who'd been there a while but they thought the talent was better with the other kid and that's who they went with so I I think there are dynamics to the college game I mean you have guys who maybe you promise stuff to when they're in high school if they're bigger recruits maybe they you know have more of a leash or whatever more of a shot I don't with him coming from the NFL I just kind of wonder if his mentality is going to be a little bit different. Than things have been done here the last few years, and I honestly think that's probably an encouraging thing. Even the stuff like um, I used Dakel Crowdas as an example, as he was someone they mentioned. And what stood out to me, and maybe you got this too, is he mentioned that maybe Dakel, being a freshman, will not know the whole playbook when this fall camp is over. But if they can find something that that kid can do well, and he has elite speed, mm-hmm. try to use him in a way that can help the team. And I don't know that the old staff would have done that. I, I think. Maybe I'm unfairly saying that. Uh, I just think we saw enough examples. That, I mean, it seemed like they really would not play kids unless they just absolutely had full confidence in them, whereas I think with it might be a little different this year. And I think DeKell is one of those guys that he, he desires speed, uh, Towing that is, and he's got it. And if no one else on the team has that kind of speed, then I think you will see him involved more, even if it means he's not going to play you know, every single snap. If he can just do something well, and Cohen thinks that can help him win. I think he's on a push to have that done.
0: And, and Stoops mentioned that he loves the physicality of his program and his team, but he also mentioned that he's, he likes the speed and that they're getting faster. And they, they are with guys they like Dickel De- Crowdis and, you know, guys that they're recruiting now and stuff. So they're, they're adding speed to that. You know that he still wants to be that punch you in the mouth, physical you know physical football team. But now you got some speed to compete with those teams in the SEC, the Georgias and the Floridas. That, that's what you want to do. You, those teams, Derek, they're physical and they're fast.
1: Yeah, I mean, they got got the total package. Um, you're right. I mean, you can envision a wide receiver room here in just a year or two that has us with his great speed. And then uh, Jordan Anthony, you know, we'll, we'll see how good of a football player he is. But in terms of being able to run, I mean, there's not going to be many guys faster on the whole, no. in the whole country faster than that guy. So that helps. I mean, that that's – I think that's pretty obvious to anyone who's really followed Kentucky football closely, especially in that wide receiver room. It's almost like they got to a mold. I mean, even like Lynn Bowden was not a burner by no. any means. I mean, he was a great football player. But, you know, he was not someone that if you put him on the – in the 40-yard dash, he's probably not going to wow you. But you put that kid in pads, and, I mean, he's the best player out there. I think you have to go all the way back to – I mean, I know Isaiah Epps kind of has the rep of – of a burner and maybe he, maybe he does have that. We just haven't got to see it, but I think you got to go all the way back to like Jeff Bidette to have a true guy that you thought could stretch the field and make plays. And there's other factors. Maybe they've just not had the quarterbacks the last few years that could take advantage of some of these um, guys, but I almost want to say, I almost want to say, I think crowd is going kind to of have a role in this team either in the return game or doing some things offensively. You think that's too soon to say that? I don't think so.
0: I don't think so at all. And that, that's a position where you can break in, right, at that yeah. spot where outside of Josh Ali, who I thought looked really good today too, just looking – those guys looked the part, Ali, Wandale. That's a position where you would like to see some guys break in. Is it on kick return? Is it on punt return, Bikail Kraus? You find a spot for that speed. Uh, as gifted as an athlete as he is, Derek, there's no way I would shoot that down, that it's, it's too soon to possibly think about that. And we we'll get to see tomorrow – where they have yeah. some of these guys at. Like, right now we don't know anything. We may go into tomorrow's practice and, and Bo Allen be the best quarterback of the group. We, we don't know. Like, we have no clue right now. But I will say this. The, the one thing that I did take away from Lee and Cohen is he made a comment that I've always agreed with. You got the Josh Allens. You got the Benny Snells. The quarterback should be the face of your program.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I'm glad I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that and up. And
0: I, I took, that was the one big note that I took away and I, I wrote it down. I said, I want to talk about this because I thought that that was a huge statement and a comment because that's the one face and one piece of this program. It has not had.
1: Not in the least bit. Um, I was actually thinking about that before uh, I left over to go to media day today. I was thinking about, All the positions Kentucky's had, and quarterback, I mean, I think every single position on the team outside of quarterback and tight end has had a draft pick, every position group. I know they have uh, because I thought about it. And even C.J. Conrad, you know, had he not had his uh, medical problem with his heart, he might have gotten picked. But even he was an All-SEC performer his junior year. They've never had a quarterback, I I don't think. Surely they haven't had a quarterback win All-SEC honors. I mean, there's just no way with the quarterback play they've had. The last few years and um it's it's hard to believe in some ways that their quarterback play has been so bad uh, but I, I i'm glad you brought that up because i i agree with that as well i mean you it's just it's just past time i mean you're nine years in now with stoops i mean it's time that you have someone who can take that room or take that team over and, and what would you think about the intangible piece to it because obviously you have guys that can play but Cohen stressed that and then I heard Will Levis talk about it too like if you're gonna really be the quarterback like you have guys that like, like you you have to win the team over and I wondered a little bit Levis getting here later if that would hurt him I don't think it has
0: well, he was flexing beside his two top receivers <laughs> in a picture just a week ago they they certainly like something yeah. about him maybe it's his mustache I don't know he he, he was right on the mustache said he tried yeah. to get the rest of the quarterback room to do that but No, they they need a quarterback to kind of step up here. And that's where, and I didn't ask Stoops this today. And I I didn't ask, I didn't ask anyone this, but you and I talked about it. Like they want competition. They mentioned this with Flax and and Rosenthal. And then you know they want competition within that quarterback room. Like Stoops would love to have three guys that he feels really good about going out there and taking snaps on Saturday. Here's my thing though. If you got three guys and not one of them is separated, you're just you're still having a quarterback battle because you're Kind of spinning the wheels. I think somebody, whoever it is, Derek needs to. I don't say, I'm not saying they need to be dominant, but they need to be the clear cut front runner and winner of this job. But behind them, you still need to have guys capable. But I still think whoever option one is just needs to be head and shoulders above whoever the second guy is. Cause I think they need that. That way, if they do have some issues early in the season, that they still know that that's their best guy. That they're not just shuffling in and out. I
1: well, was speaking about loyalty, maybe to a fall earlier with with the old staff. Um, I think Stoops is definitely who I think whoever it is that they've picked for quarterback most years. Now I know against Central Michigan, after they named Terry the starter, they still had to bring Gunner Hoke in. I just think that was because you know Terry was playing so poorly that game, but but the next game, once Terry went out there and played well against Florida he really didn't have to worry about his job all the way until his – I know he got hurt his junior year, but he he was pretty much the guy once again until he started going poorly again. So, I think as long as – like, I think Stoops is – and I'm not saying it's an old-school mentality because I think a lot of places are, are like this. Quarterback is so much more unique than every other position that I think you truly only want one guy. You do. To, to be the guy. Right. And they've, and it may maybe the way I talk about Stoops handling the QBs, again, like – it might be as simple as they've just really not had like one that was just good enough to, to even even I mean, even like in every year, every year. I mean, I seriously think it's been every single year, there's not been a time that you didn't think maybe the backup was gonna play. Yeah. They've just not had good enough quarterback play. So that's so maybe that's not totally fair to to talk about how stoops would handle a quarterback. I mean, I guess every coach, it's easy whenever you know you have a proven guy back there. And that's been a huge challenge for this program is, is finding that guy. The way they talk, I would I, I would think they think that it's going to happen with one of these three guys, whether it be Gatewood, Levis, or, or Bo Allen.
0: And, and they and you can't effectively recruit the wider receiver position without having a quarterback. So that those no. go hand in hand. That's the to me, that's the one spot. Those are the, the pieces of the football field that you can't have one without the other. If you don't yeah. have a good quarterback, you're not going to have very good wide receivers in your program. You can have good linebackers without great defensive linemen. So I just I've always that's just my thought process on it. So they they hope that in this group, Derek, that someone kind of takes over and becomes the plan would be to become the face of the program for the next two to three years.
1: Well, I think we talked about it on a previous episode, or I talked about it with someone like when you think about how much they're gonna be losing after this season, it's probably more important than I wouldn't say than ever, but when you have all these guys have at least three years of eligibility left, given that extra COVID year, whoever wins the job this year, you want them to be the QBA for at least the 2021 and 2022 seasons. I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you do. Absolutely. We just want to hop on here and recap media day. We're saving a lot until after this open practice tomorrow. Cause that's when we're going to get to see some of these guys spin the football. want to see where guys are playing. If there are any other, uh, Things that we're going to talk about, we'll definitely see them tomorrow. I'm sure some of you all who listen to this podcast will be at Kroger Field tomorrow too, uh, to watch that open practice. Hopefully, the weather is clear, and we have a uh, a good time out there, and we get to watch some Kentucky football. Derek, it's it's coming quickly. Here we are, talking about Media Day and this first open practice, and pretty soon we'll be talking about the first game. But he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.